invite you to turn. I invite you to turn with me to Luke chapter five. I know it's Christ Cross. We're in Luke. Luke chapter five. And I really like what Pastor Blake has been doing with this announcement. So let us all stand, if you are able, at the reading of the word of the Lord this morning. Insertion of reverence for the verse 12, starting in verse 12. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged him to tell no one, but go show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing, as Moses commanded, for a proof to them. But now even more, the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to him and to be healed of their infirmities. Infirmities. Sorry, but he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I may be seated. Thank you. Now, as we've been for the past few weeks or a month and a half or so, we've been diving in. We've been perceiving and growing and watching and observing how Jesus begins his ministry. That he overcame the temptations of Satan. The appeal of Satan to Jesus' flesh saying, hey, bro, I know you're hungry. Leave some stuff and eat some bread. That Jesus would simply abide by Satan's offering to do his bidding. Jesus said, no, man shall not live by bread alone, but of every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then he overcomes the temptation of his authority. That Satan looks at him and appeals to him. You're like, Lord, I know you're here for all the nations and kingdoms to redeem them back to you. I can give them to you just without the cross. If you'd only just simply worship me, I'll give them to you. Satan, not knowing who he was talking to apparently, thought he had some authority to be able to give such a thing away. But he did not. And the Lord had an absolute resolve to ensure that the cross was secured and done, that his kingdom would be redeemed the way that the will of God is set forward for redemption's sake. And lastly, he overcomes the temptation of proof. It seems like, well, if you are the Messiah, do this. The scriptures say this is what will happen to you. And the Lord looks at him and says, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord your God. What was Jesus saying in that moment? Do you know who's standing before you? Do you know it is who you're testing? I don't have to appeal to you at all. I am the authority. I am the authority. So we see that overcoming of the temptation, and he gets right in there. He begins right with preaching the word. He goes to the synagogue and declares the year of Jubilee that the people, it has been fulfilled at the people's hearing that Jesus proclaims that he is the year of the Lord's favor, that he is the one who would come to set the prisoners free, to heal the sick, that he is the year of the Lord's favor, the Jubilee. And he casts out a demon from among them. We saw the authority in his words. 
that in the authority of his word would come the rising of, of satanic power right in front of him, and he would rebuke it, and it would leave. Then we see the, his uh, uh, absolute incredible authority in the situation regarding Peter's mother-in-law and his ability to overcome the obstacles, not of authority just of heaven, the spiritual things, but also of earth. That he had the authority over both heaven and earth to heal somebody of demon oppressed, but also of a fever. That we saw that the Lord who came from heaven, the Lord himself who walked and dwelt, the year of Jubilee, cares for your afflictions. That he knows the suffering of his people. And he cares. He desires to participate in showing his glory through those sufferings. Then last week we saw Peter in the boat, right? Peter was just out fishing, doing his thing, doing his normal thing, and interjects Jesus. Peter comes up on the boat completely frustrated. He's been fishing all night, trying to do his, his thing to make some money. And if you watch The Chosen, I don't know if it's historically accurate if he owed a debt like that, you know, or whatever, that he was trying to get a lot of money to pay off his debt or not. But sort of just illustration, I guess. But he'd been fishing all night and do, and drew nothing comes to the shore, and Jesus interjects himself into Peter's life. Hops in the boat. Hey, can you take me out a little way so people can hear me? Peter, I'm sure, was absolutely exhausted. He's like, okay, and takes his boat out so he can, so he can see, so all the people could hear. Then Jesus chooses to reveal himself in a mighty way. In Peter's life, he interjects himself right in the midst of Peter's life and then shows him the power of his might, that his authority. He says by his word, do something, Peter. Peter believes what he hears, and he says, as you have said, and he does it, and he receives the blessing. We saw that Jesus entered the boat. He changed the course of Peter's life, and the words that he used in that moment when Peter fell prostrate before the Lord saying, you know, go away from me because I am unworthy sinner. Jesus said, you will now be fishers of men. He took what Peter's life had already done. He'd already been through the motions of casting the net. He knew what it meant to draw up the nets, to pull the fish in. What was required and necessary to bring fish in. And Jesus says, Get right into his life and says, you're going to be a fisher of men. But the nets you're going to be casting aren't going to be drawing physical fish. You're going to be casting nets of the gospel and drawing in people. You're going to be casting nets of the good news of the gospel that these people who are here and are caught by it are redeemed and brought in. Jesus changed Peter's life in that moment but he did not waste everything that Peter had done. So everything that you are experiencing in this life is not a waste. It's not a waste. Because he could utilize it for his glory, and that includes fishing. It's not a waste. And the wonderful, glorious response, the only response, as we're going to see today with the leper, as well as with Peter, was this. 
I am unworthy to receive such a thing. I am unworthy of this. And we see this reflected out of Luke 17. That at the midst, Jesus speaking to his disciples, turns to them and says this, So you also, you, the disciples, when you have done all that you were commanded, say, we are unworthy servants, we have only done what was our duty. Now, at first glance, you would think the word duty and be like, oh, they're just doing it out of obligation. No, no, no. Their duty that they placed on themselves was out of pure gratitude because they were unworthy in the first place. To receive the redemption that they had, to receive the call that they had in their life, to go and behold the miraculous works of Christ as he progressed triumphantly throughout the world, that the gospel goes forth and redeems nations. Hearts are set ablaze by the tongues of fire of the sharing and preaching of the gospel. They would simply prostrate and say, I'm an unworthy servant. I was simply doing my duty. This time, this time, rather than Peter, when Peter Lord interjects into Peter's life, this time, the leper seeks out Jesus. The leper comes after Jesus. So we see Luke is articulating this beautifully in this chapter, that we see this picture of Peter and what it looks like when Jesus interjects into your life and right in the midst of it meets you right where you're at and shows you his glory, shows you the good news of the gospel and changes your course in this life for something better. But now we're seeing a situation where the leper now is looking for Jesus. So this time is going to be a little different. He has only heard of the hope that was available in Jesus, and he seeks him out. He seeks Jesus out. When the power of God propelled Peter to see his unrighteousness, a man who wears his shame on his skin seeks Jesus because of what he has simply heard about him. Peter required an act of power for him to realize his unrighteousness. But the act of power done in the boat put him in a place of realization on who Christ was. This leper simply heard it of this hope and said, I need to find this. I need to find him. So we're going to see a difference that Luke is showcasing here. No need for convincing. This leper didn't need to be convinced. He did not need to see the fish in the net first. He simply heard the good news of Jesus simply heard it. Faith was present before proof was presented. His faith, as we'll see in the way that he words his humble request, is not one of, like, you're going to have to show me something before I'm going to believe that you can actually cleanse me. No, he goes right to him and says, if you are willing, you. Faith was present before power was shown. So what is Luke trying to articulate? Faith was present. So let's get some context on leprosy first and the effects of having such a disease of shame. Because the term leprosy, a lot of people, if I just use the term, I'm sure a lot of images are being popped up in your minds right now of like psoriasis or like these like zombie looking like open wounds. There was a variety of different things. But let's get some biblical context of why Luke is showcasing a story about a leper. So let's get some biblical background on what leprosy is. 
Leviticus 13. Leviticus 13, starting in chapter, or starting in verse 1. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, When a person has on the skin of his body a swelling or an eruption or a spot, and it turns into a case of leprous disease on the skin of his body, then he shall be brought to Aaron, who's the priest, the priest, or to one of his sons, the priests. And the priest shall examine the diseased area on the skin of his body. And if the hair in the diseased area has turned white, and the disease appears to be deeper than the skin of his body, it is a case of leprous disease. When the priest has examined him, he shall pronounce him unclean. Unclean. That term doesn't mean dirty. That term is covenantal. That term means you're not a part. You don't get to be a part. You are unclean. Unclean in Hebrew is a covenantal term. It means that someone has become cursed and should not be amongst the community. An unclean animal is to be avoided and not received. This is the weightiness of leprosy and uncleanliness. To have a priest look at you in the face and say, you are unclean, puts you in the same place as a hog or a shrimp or any crustacean. I'm going to grab my part of you. I can't receive you. I can't consume. I'm to avoid it. That's what you are. The same way of treating Ham is treating a person with leprosy. Could you imagine the weight of somebody in your community? Let's say, for instance, you were right here, and somebody came up to you and said, you were unclean. I can't breathe in you. You're not a part of me. That is what it meant to be a leper. Let's continue on. Let's see what else it says. Starting in verse 9. When a man is afflicted with a leprous disease, he shall be brought to the priest. And the priest shall look. And if there is a white swelling in the skin, that is, turn the hair white, and there is raw flesh in the swelling, it is a chronic leprous disease in the skin of his body. And the priest shall pronounce him unclean. He shall not shut him up, for he is unclean. Now the term shut him up, uh, if you read the whole chapter, I, I saved you guys some of that reading, um, showcases that there is a temporary period where it, it could be leprous, but go to your house and stay there. Quarantine yourself. And, you know, if it doesn't progress, then you're good. But if it's like this, you don't even get that choice. It's definitely leprous. Continuing on. And if the leprous disease breaks out in his skin so that the leprous disease covers all of the skin of the diseased person, from head to foot, so far as the priest can see, then the priest shall look. And if the and if the leprous disease has covered all the body, he shall pronounce him clean of the disease. It is all turned white, and he is clean. Very intriguing. When the disease on your body all turns white, when your body from head to toe all turns white, you are considered clean. The boils. I'm not talking about skin color. I'm talking about the boils. 
When it all turns white, you will consider me clean. Verse 14. But when raw flesh appears on him, he shall be unclean. And the priest shall examine the raw flesh and pronounce him unclean. Raw flesh is unclean, for it is a leprous disease. To be considered clean of a leprous disease, the raw flesh over all the body has to be white. Raw flesh exposure is unclean. When the flesh has turned white all over the body, the person has been declared clean. In essence, the disease has died. The disease has died. Let's continue on. The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes, rags. You can't even wear normal clothes if you are unclean. Torn clothes. And let the hair of his head hang loose, which means unclean. And he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. Kicked out. You're filthy. You're unclean. You don't get to look like us. You don't get to be amongst us. You're outside the camp. I don't even want to see you. And if you do come around, this is what I want to hear. Unclean. 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 A leprous person must wear the uncleanliness so all will see and hear of their shame. They are not allowed a part of the community. They are removed from fellowship because of their disease. This is the outcome of being a leper. You're removed from worship, removed from community, and you wear the shame on the outside for all to see and hear. But, because I know that's a lot, and I know that's terrible, but the Lord put this in here for a very specific reason, for the sake of hope. And we're going to see the beauty of the gospel even in the book of Leviticus. Don't tell me Leviticus is boring. It is beautiful. But there is hope for returning and being cleansed. But there is a cost to such a reconciliation. Leviticus 14, starting in verse 1. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, This shall be the law of the leprous person for the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought to the priest. And the priest shall go out of the camp, and the priest shall look. Then if the case of the leprous person is healed in the leprous person, or leprous disease, the priest shall command them to take for him who is cleansed two live clean birds and cedar wood and scarlet yarn and hyssop. And the priest shall command them to kill one of the birds in the earthenware vessel over fresh water. Listen what happens to the next in the next verse. He shall take the live bird with the cedar wood and the scarlet yarn and the hyssop and dip them and the live bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over the fresh water. He shall sprinkle it over, sprinkle it 
seven times on him who is to be cleansed of the leprosy disease. Then he shall pronounce him clean and shall let the living bird go into the open field. Do you see what is happening here? To be pronounced clean of leprosy, you had to have a bowl with water in it. They took two clean birds side by side, killed one of them, spilled its blood into the water. The live bird was dipped inside that water with blood in it, cleansed, and then set free. So you're telling me that it cost one bird's life so that when the other one becomes free, and the only way that cleanliness could come about is through the dipping of blood in water. Is there another situation where we saw blood and water pouring out at one time? Yeah, at Calvary. When they pierced his side, out came water and blood. Cleanliness for your freedom. Because of the cost required for you to be washed. That Leviticus is boring. But it gets even better. If that wasn't enough, eventually it gets even better. Starting in verse 10. Starting in verse 10. And on the eighth day, that means new beginning, right? Number eight, new beginning. On the eighth day, he shall take two male lambs without blemish, and one ewe lamb, a year old without blemish, and a grain offering for three tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil and one log of oil. Oh, you're going to love this. I love the word of God. Come on. And the priest who cleanses him shall set the man who is to be cleansed and these things before the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meeting. Do you know what's at the tent of meeting at the beginning of it? The altar. He is brought in to the community. Watch what happens. And the priest shall take one of the male lambs and offer it for a guilt offering. Wait a second. I thought this was a disease. Why is a guilt offering required? Let's continue on. Along with a log of oil and wave them for a wave offering before the Lord. That's where they take it and wave it. That's all it is. And he shall kill the lamb in the place where they kill the sin offering and the burnt offering in the place of the sanctuary. For the guilt offering, like the sin offering, belongs to the priest. It is most holy. The priest shall take some of the blood of the guilt offering, and the priest shall put it on the lobe of the right ear of him, who is to be cleansed, and on the right thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe of his right, right foot. Then the priest shall take some of the log of oil and pour it into the palm of his left hand. Take some of it, dip his right finger into the oil, and sprinkle some of the oil of his finger seven times before the Lord. And some of the oil that remains in his hand, the priest shall put on the lobe of the right ear of him, who is to be cleansed, on the right thumb of his, uh, of his right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot, and on top of the blood offering, on top of and the rest of the oil that is in the priest's hand he shall put on the head of who is to be cleansed. Then the priest shall make atonement for him before 
and it had to be put on his entire body. Blood of the lamb for his mouth, his lips, and his feet. All of his life needed that blood. On top of that blood had come the oil that was placed in that same three places. The blood of the lamb entering the Not only do we see the cleansing through the blood of the sin and guilt offering of the lamb, but the sealing work of the Holy Spirit through the whole person. Let this be a lot more than just a bruise. It is the plague that plagued all of humanity. We all are right. We all have wrong blood. And it has to die. And we have to be cleansed. Not only is the blood applied to make the unclean clean, but the oil is applied for the anointing of the cleansing of the Lord. The whole reason they did the wave offering was to say, this is of God. This cleansing that this leper experienced is of God. May this be a testimony of his work. Here and foot. Cleansed. So when it says in, in Luke 5.13 that Jesus reached out and touched him, I imagine that it was on his right ear, right thumb, and right foot. Right big toe on his right foot. Because Jesus is the blood of the Lamb that cleanses and purifies, but he is also the means of the sealing by the Holy Spirit, the oil, that showcases the miraculous and gracious and sealing work of the Holy Spirit in cleanliness for all eternity. The gospel is right there in the midst of a story, in the midst of commandments about leprosy. It's right there. So, when Jesus reached out and touched him, I don't think it was just simply like, you're good. I imagine Jesus going, yeah, I do, Lord. Okay. I think so. Can you touch me? Can you imagine being a leper and having that experience with Jesus? Because a leper knows all about the law. He knows the full extent of the law. He knows every bit of its harsh punishment of the law. He knows the outcome of his shame. He wears it on his skin. And he feels it. But this is the main theme of our text today. Jesus is the only hope we have to be eternally cleansed, shame removed, and reconciled back to God Back to fellowship in his kingdom. He is the blood of the lamb that cleanses the deepest of uncleanliness and secures those he cleanses for eternity by the Holy Spirit. Sealed and done. To tell us it is finished. Done. He is the only hope. He is the other little dove that was killed that you may be dipped in the water and the blood to be cleansed. He is the lamb that was given so that way you could receive full cleansing from head to toe. And it was through that blood you now receive the Holy Spirit, the anointing to seal and say, this is of God. Receive the fact. This disease is on him by God. So let's dive into it. Let's dive into the text. Number one, if you are willing 
if you are willing. We get this in uh, verse 12. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. This man who was to, who was to remain outside the camp, who was not allowed in, made his way in because he heard that Jesus was there. He heard that Jesus was there. He knew this that his hope was there and that nothing was going to stop him. This is the image of a broken and contrite heart. What we're seeing displayed in verse 12 is the image of what it looks like to have a broken and contrite heart. Listen to someone else who had a broken and contrite heart. And I want you to listen very closely to his language. The Psalm 51. This is David we're talking about. Psalm 51, his prayer of repentance. I want you to listen to his language very specifically because this is the, what he wrote right after he got done with the whole Bathsheba and Uriah situation. His shame had now become public. People knew about it. And this is what he has to write. Listen to his words. Have mercy on me, O God. According to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Blot means to remove. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. That should be a question. This is going to be awesome. For I know my transgressions and my sin ever before me. Against you and you alone. You only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, my delight in truth, or you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret part. So where is he talking about? What actually needs to be cleaned? What actually needs to be washed? Purge me with hyssop. What was it that the priest used to, to dip into the water and blood and splash on the leper? Hyssop. Purge. Cleanse. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be what? Whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness and let the bones that you have be broken. The bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. Create in me what? A clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit within me, blood oil. Cast me not away from your presence. That sounds a lot like leprous language. What do you do with lepers? You send them outside the camp. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And uphold me with willing spirit, that I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. What is it that he is saying? Your restoration, O oh God, will be a testimony to those who are in the exact same place I'm at. The leper is the pure image of disgust and outsidedness and being ostracized. A cleanse. A cleansing of a leper is quite a testimony. It's going to be 
Deliver me from blood guiltness, O God. O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You would be willing to give whatever to try to be cleansed of this thing. But what does he say? What does the word say? You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. Why? The sacrifice, sacrifices of God are what? A broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart. You, O oh God, you will not despise. You will not despise. So first we see there's a recognition of uncleanliness. That from the very beginning, David and the leper knew of their uncleanliness before they even approached the Lord by faith. Second, there is a recognition in the only one in whom cleanliness is found. Three, there is a humble request. Both the leper and David both reply with a humble request. It's not an expectation. Like, oh, come on now. You know, I'm doing the thing, you're doing the thing. You need to bless me. Let's change it. Let's go. I'm the king, right? No, both David and the leper both approach with a humble request. They know they're sinners. It was only by mercy and steadfast love and grace that either one of them would receive what they received. The word used here in the Greek for clean is katharisai. Katharisai. And you're like, okay, Freddie, thanks a lot, bro. Like, you don't need to know your Greek. No, you do. Especially in this case. Katharisai. This Greek word is different from healing. The word for healing which we'll see in a moment, is iomai. I'm sorry, eomai. It's different. The Greek word is different for healing, which you'll see next week. The Greek word for healing is iomai. Cleansing is a restoration term, a wholeness term. Healing is a word for physical relief or, tempor uh, or temporal, temporal removal of the affliction. Catharsis is where we get the English word catharsis or cathartic means to heal, purify, cleanse, purge, purify. The leper did not ask Jesus to simply be healed. He didn't say, heal me. He said, He desired to be cleansed and sealed. Now, some of you here this morning might be here because you were considered a leper. You have been removed from worship and fellowship. You carry the shame of your past with you. You wear the scarlet letter of an abortion and have felt like you can never be clean again. You walk amongst your peers. You walk amongst your people at work. You, can't, you feel like you can't even step inside of a church. I'm not welcome there. I don't belong there because of what I've done, because of who I am. Maybe your shame has worn on you like the rags and boils of the leper. You may feel like you can never step foot into the door of a church for fear of being consumed by fire from God or the criticisms of people. You can never escape the boils on your skin because it has been seen or will be seen at one point or another. 
I have been removed from God. I have been removed from my community. My shame is too great. God couldn't cleanse someone like me. I try so hard to cover up my shame. Jesus, are you willing to rescue me, cleanse me, and restore me? I would understand if you didn't. But are you willing to show me mercy and grace, an undeserved sinner? If you're willing. If you're willing. if you didn't. I understand. I'm a leper. I know what I've done. The leper whose shame was one on the outside was a grace to the leper. Well, I tried it. That's pretty weird. Why would you say that? Because he sees it and he feels it every day. Here's the danger. What happens when the sin and shame, the boils and rags, are on the inside? never seen by anyone nor themselves. Ones who do not see their uncleanliness and walk around thinking, clean, 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 I'm clean. They don't see it. They don't feel it. Out of sight, out of mind. Let's see what Jesus had to say regarding this very thing. Luke 5. We're going to see this. We're going to see this in a couple weeks. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat with or eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? You're not supposed to be a part of them. Why? Why do you dine with them? And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. but sinners to repent. Now let me ask you a question. Is this a dichotomy to separate, for you to evaluate yourself and say, oh, am I on the righteous side or am I on the sinner side? Absolutely not. Here's the danger. The power in this statement is not simply reflecting upon the reality that all are sick because of sin, but the warning to those who think they're not sick those who do not see their boils and feel the pain of their shame. They're one who do not have a broken and contrite heart. Who does not reflect what is said in Psalm 51. Psalm 51. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and behold me with a willing spirit. Uphold me with a willing spirit. And this is what he says at the very end, verse 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, you will not despise. So the question the leper is asking, if you're willing, if you're willing, are you willing? I would understand if you didn't. What is verse 17 saying? What's the last four words? You will not despise. So what's Jesus' answer? Let 
Let me see. What's Jesus' answer? I am willing. I am willing. Verse 13. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Immediately the leprosy left him. This is the moment. This is the question. Are you Jesus? Are you willing to cleanse me? He is asking because he is not sure if Jesus will or not. This has nothing to do with his capability, but has everything to do with his own position. I am an unworthy, unclean sinner. Are you willing to even cleanse this? He has hope and faith in the moment, in the moment that the one who has the authority over heaven and earth to command demons to flee and illnesses to be removed, maybe Jesus can make this unclean, ostracized man clean again to be reconciled back to God and to man. And I love how Jesus responds. Jesus immediately acts. He acts first. Jesus not begin with giving the leper a lecture or some plan for cleansing. He responds. Stretched out his hand and touched him. He didn't say he gave him four points about the need of his cleansing. He didn't give him this well-structured plan. Well, if you just discipline yourself, you know, you could have the best life now. You know, if you just don't believe that the boils are there, maybe they'll go away. Your faith is strong enough. No, he acts. Touch. Your Lord immediately acts. He stretched out his hand and touched him. Now what's incredible about this statement? What's incredible about this statement is this. A priest was not allowed to touch any unclean thing. Otherwise it is a sin. Did you know that? To do what would be a sin here. No, no, no. The only way a priest is able to touch a leper is if the leper is considered clean first. Or even says a word. Who are you? By the simple fact that I even touched you, you're clean. That's exactly what happened. No hesitation, no waiting period. If you're in this room right now and you think, maybe I've got to work better to, to get God in my favor, or maybe I need to earn some grace because, you know what, I've been bad for a really long time and you know, I'm trying to get back into church, and I, I, I'm trying to read my Bible and pray more. Maybe he'll uh, bless me with some favor. Maybe I'll feel like I'm forgiven. Immediately. Because the leper came to him with a broken and contrite heart. He didn't ask to be healed. He didn't say, Eomai. He said, James 4, James 4, this is what it takes to approach God. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your minds, you double-minded, or your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Like, isn't it supposed to be the other way around, mourning into laughing and 
you know, sadness and a joy? Absolutely. But not when repentance is necessary. Not whenever it requires you to come to be cleansed. You don't walk around with your rags and your boils dancing in the graveyard in your church. Facebook, I hope you heard that. You don't celebrate it. Repentance means you're broken. Repentance means you need to come to the Lord God. You need to draw near to him right here. There's no waiting to hear the word of God. Verse 10. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will do what? Us. He will exalt you. The Greek word that was used by Jesus for willing is thalo. I didn't put that one on the slide, sorry. Which means absolute resolve. It is the Greek word for absolutely. No hesitation. No question. It's done. No hindrance from his will for you to receive mercy, forgiveness, and his affections. No hindrance. People may get in your way. A church may get in your way. Facts. We're people too. We mess up. But God doesn't do that. <laughs> he doesn't say, well, I judge you for your past. That doesn't mean that I did. He came to me as a broken and contrite heart. Don't hate me. Cleanliness. Forgiveness. Because do you realize that the cleanliness happens before he even goes to the temple? His response to the leper is an invitation for you today. Be clean. Because this is the word that he uses in Greek. Catharaseti. He doesn't say, I am Eddie. Oh, you're, you're clean now. Or you're healed. He says, Catharaseti. Be cleansed. Be clean. This is the invitation that you have. Not simply Eomedi. Not simply that you just receive some little bit of temporal, temporal relief from your anxiety and sin. No, be Done. His response to the leper is that invitation, wholeness, restoration, reconciliation. And the cleanliness that Jesus offers is effectually active in your life at the moment of repentance, which is found in the Greek word yothus. He uses that word immediately, that very moment. Not let me think about it first. Let me consider how bad your sin is first. Not, you need to prove yourself first. Not, you need to go clean yourself first, and then I'll accept you. No. Yaltheos, catharsete. Immediately, be cleansed. Be cleansed now, right now. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. You are here and now. It is no accident that you walked into this room today. It's no accident that this word may just be for you. A whole room is full of people, and the Lord may be talking just to you. That you just so happen to visit. 
Or you just so happen to come in this morning. Man, I really wish I would have stayed in bed. This guy's talking to you all. The worship style is different. But this word is not going to be a style thing. This word is real, and it's in your life, and there's a purpose you're here. And as a side note, anybody that says pastors who don't need Greek and Hebrew, they're robbing their congregations of the richness of the glory of God's word from their people. You would read this completely different if you had not known that. We all would. We would think it different, and we're going to see it here in a moment. Christ is the only hope in this life. Everything else is Iumai. It's temporary. Catharaseti is eternal. 2 Corinthians 6. 2 Corinthians 6, starting in verse 1. Work together with him, or working together with him. This is Paul writing. Working together with him. Then we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. This is a grace of God for you this morning. For he says, in a favorable time, I listened to you. In a day of salvation, I have helped you. Today is the help. Today is the favorable time. Behold, now is the favorable time. Now is the day of salvation. For he says, oh, and if it, we already read that. Today is the day. You're here now. Be cleansed now. Don't wait. If you try to do it yourself, you're only scratching the boils and making it worse. You're going to open wounds that you shouldn't have opened. Let it go. Be cleansed. This will do nothing for you, but Christ Verse John 1, 8, 1, 8. We read it all the time during communion. This is the assurance that we have. If we, have, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Hey, brother and sister, if your leprosy is on the inside just because you can't see it and you think, I'm no sinner, check yourself before you wreck yourself. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us all our sins and to cleanse. Do you know what Greek word is used there? Catharisete. Cleanse from what? All unrighteousness. But bro, I thought it was a disease, bro. Like, who has it? No. Catharaseti. That leper didn't care about the fact that he had leprosy. He cared because that his shame was on the outside, and he didn't get to be a part of God or God's people. There was something wrong with him that kept him out. He says that about all of us. We've been kicked out of the garden. Jesus is not only willing, but he is able to cleanse you now. You here. Number three. So what does it happen? What, what happens to this leper after he's cleansed? Because we can stop right there and be like, all right, awesome, let's go home. We'll sing a hymn. Praise God. Amen. No, but this is something very important. Number three. Reconcile to God and man. Reconciled to God, and man, we get this in verse 14. And he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded for a proof of them. We read that, right? We read what he needed to do afterwards. What Jesus told him to do. Hey, go to the priest and show him. Jesus said, Are you right? Okay, cool. 
he is given, the leper is given commands by Jesus following his cleansing. Notice the commands are given for two reasons. One, obedience and gratitude. He received something. Now he has to give glory to God for it. Two, as a testimony to the community. Jesus commands him to tell no one except the priest. Now this is not to discourage the testimony, which we will see in the next verse, but to be assured of his cleanliness in the church first. Worship first. Give God praise and honor first. Then the restoration into the community will be a testimony enough as the people will know by his presence in the temple that he has been cleansed. He said, don't run to the people and be like, bro, check it out. I'm like, I was this, now I'm this. I'm clean now. He didn't say run back home, tell your family first. No, get yourself to the temple. Worship God for what you have received today. Don't tell anybody, go right to the priest. This wasn't to discourage him from saying sharing. It was like Jesus is saying don't share the testimony. Why? That doesn't make any sense. No, no, no. By the simple fact that he walked into that temple, every priest in the area, every person who attends that temple will know exactly who that was. And they're going to be like, what happened? Why are you here? How are you clean now? Well, let me tell you. Jesus, he said I was clean. He touched me and I was clean. I was a leper, but now I'm not. This is a warning. This is also a warning to worship. Jesus commands him to tell no one except the priest. This was not to discourage that testimony. Because some people may try to convince you that you have not been cleansed. I know you and what you have done. You have not been cleansed. You will always be blank. Where should you go first? Is the forgiveness you have done to that person. To the people who be like, no, I know who you are. There's no way. You will always be a jerk. You'll always be a drunkard. You'll always be abusive. You'll always be a drug user, alcoholic, pornographic viewer, whatever you want. Fill in the blank. You will always be that. You'll always be an addict. Can't be cleansed. You walking in that door will be a testimony of what you once were and what you are now. No one in my right mind would ever approach not having feeling the need to come here to worship the one who one day received cleansing and forgiveness. What we do here is kind of can be considered odd. We barely ask any Goofy and aloof. Most of us have God wrestling. Look around in the room. Look at all the different people. You guys don't know each other. You don't know the same God. You guys have all received cleansing. And you all come in here to share the same testimony. Let me tell you what Jesus did. This is what he says do it for proof to them. Who's them? The priest. How often has the church denied the proof displayed in the life of someone who's been cleansed by Jesus? Uh-oh, Freddie's pointing at him. It needs to be checked. How often are the proofs not good enough to allow the once leper back into the community? 
How often is the reminder of what once someone was as a hindrance from the fellowship and worship and unity? He or she can be a member, but don't let them blank. I don't know if he or she is really, really saved. We should be careful around that person. Did you know that they they need to prove themselves to be a part of this community? They need to have perfect doctrine and worship the way that we do to be a part of this They better not have tattoos or piercings or have different color hair. Like, you're like, bro, Freddie, that's like 1990s stuff. No, that's now stuff. That's still now stuff. One of your pastors has a tattoo right there. His being here and called and preaching in this place is You being here is testimony enough. The proof has not been ignored. The proof has been proven. Yes, yes, yes. Testimony, witness, testimony, witness. We're all worshiping God because of what he did. Is Hillside Baptist Church a hospital for the sick? To find hope and cleansing in Jesus? To open the doors to the lepers to find Jesus and be washed in the power of his word? Are we? We prayerfully consider it. We prayerfully hope so. But may we not be a hindrance as the way of people coming in there saying, this is what I once was. This is what I'm not. We don't need them to prove anything except for the most humble thing. I was once a leper. Now I'm not. What Jesus commanded to cleanse man was for the blessing of himself and a testimony of the work of God. He was supposed to be restored to worship, both in the temple and in service and in community. He was also supposed to be restored to fellowship, unified in love, edified in service, participation in the kingdom. Sounds very familiar, doesn't it? Titus 3, Paul writing to a new church plan, a young pastor named Titus says this, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work. To speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. Why? Why, Paul? For we ourselves were once foolish. We ourselves were once disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating by one another or hating one another. Reason you can't judge is because that used to be you. It used to be me. So how dare we say, oh, no, I don't think so. I've heard some stories about that. Verse 4, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, listen to the words, having saved us, not because of the work done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Whew. Well, washing language going on. Whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. Huh. What did the priest do with the remaining bit of oil in his left hand? Poured it out on the cleansed person. Do you see where Paul is getting his language from? Washed, cleansed, poured out the Holy Spirit because of Jesus. So that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope.
don't judge because of what you receive. And you want everybody to receive that very thing. Bro, I used to be a leper. So if you're a leper, I can tell you the one who saved me is this. I'm not going to judge you. I used to be there. That's where I used to be. I used to be in your seat. As a matter of fact, that's why I could talk to you right now. Because I've been there. And I know what can happen to you. I don't know all the Bible answers, but I can tell you this. I once was a leper. And now I'm not. I once was a blank. And now I'm not. I once was a blank. And now I'm not. Therefore, I'm not going to judge anyone. Because I was once that. And anointed me with his Holy Spirit. So why should he not get that? We did what did the priest do with the oil? I already said that. We all once were lepers, carried in the flesh the sin we divulged in. Because that's the reality, brothers and sisters. We may not see the sin and shame on the outside, but it will come. James, sin when it conceives, gives birth, when it grows fully, becomes death. But if you allow sin in, it'll come out. No one's going to see it. Nobody's deaf to you. But because of Jesus' cleansing and sealing power, we come to worship him unified every week. And lastly, the dichotomy of hope. The dichotomy of hope. Verse 15 and 16. But now even more, the report about him went abroad. And great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Wait, what? Wait a second. The leper came up and he immediately acted there. Why did he withdraw? Is he unkind? Is it just lepers he's looking for? This is again where the proof is necessary to understand what is happening. Luke is very intentional. The people looking for Jesus sought him for this Greek word. Therapeustai. Therapeustai. Does that word look a little familiar to you? It's where we get the English word therapy. They sought him not for catharsis. They sought him for therapy. It is the Greek word where we get the English word therapy. Those who came looking for Jesus were looking looking for the therapy that he offered. They sought eomai, not catharsi. This portion of the Bible has been misused for the sake of therapy. To speak into the lives of those who are suffering infirmities in the body. A gospel message that presents Jesus as the man who will fix your life problems. A gospel therapy. Hey, if you'd only just come to Jesus, your marriage will get right. Hey, if you only come to Jesus, your finances will get right. Hey, if you only come to Jesus, your husband won't be sick anymore. Hey, if you come to Jesus, your wife, your son, your blah, 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 fill in the blank. If you'd only come to Jesus, offering him up as a therapy for your life. I did not, I did not just stuff the goat there. I don't want to feel like this anymore. Can I have some therapy, please? Who wouldn't? Go up and offer or get something for free if it means they'll fix their marriage that could be broken. They're like, wait a second, I could just go believe in that and my marriage will be fixed? The thought the therapist would be going, Yeah, 
Oh, yeah, I'll take some of that. Wait a second, my finances will be fixed, my relationship will be fixed, blah, blah, blah. Of course I'll take that. So guess what they were looking for him for? I heard that this guy got his leprosy removed. I want some of that. He didn't have to pay anything. It was free. Give me some therapy, Jesus. This portion of the Bible is just so misused. In the lives of those who are sick, this passage is used as a measure of the willingness of Jesus to heal us from our infirmities. This is a passage used at a sick and dying person saying, hey, Jesus is willing to heal you. Does he? Absolutely. Will he? Absolutely. We have evidences, we have testimonies sitting in this very room of Jesus miraculously healing people of their infirmities. And we'll actually see it next week when Blake, Blake preaches that he does this very thing. Absolutely. Yes and yes. We have some among us who have testimonies of such healings from cancer to other infirmities. But the people here sought Jesus to have their temporal their temporal uh, infirmity removed. They sought relief from their affliction. They did not seek him for cleansing. This is the great, great dichotomy of hope. Do we seek Jesus for his healing or do we seek Jesus for his cleansing? This is the battle between the two. Between Pharisai and Yomai. Notice that when people come to Jesus for Pharisai, immediate action, touches, cleanse, rejoice, and go be a part of the community. But the moment you look at Jesus as a measure of Eomai, some Tylenol maybe, I'm going to depart. Go into the wilderness and pray. Because you don't really care about what actually happened out there. Your leprosy is temporary. This life is temporary. Your flesh is temporary. You need something stronger than Tylenol to fix what's wrong with you today. Pharisai. Blood and oil. There's a difference between Pharisai and Yomai. One is eternal, the other is temporary. One has utter resolve, which means it's absolute in its fullest effect. And the other provides a moment of relief. One provides exaltation of God, and the other provides expectation upon God. God, I'll believe you if this only happens. You know what, Jesus? I'll take some Jesus if he make my life better, make my marriage better, make my career better. Then I'll believe this gospel. to go to the nation by which you sent me. And yet you were taken and you were the dove killed in the way right next to me. Your blood was spilled in the water that I may be dipped in it, baptismo, dipped in it, and leave set free. His cost was greater than the cost of Tylenol. The cost to secure you and cleanse you was more than any medical procedure. So, of course he was healed. It just means he's not tempted with the same drug. Like
likewise in the raising of Nazareth to display that Jesus is the resurrection and the life, Lazarus would eventually die again. <laughs> he would. What gain is there to gain to gain the whole world and lose your soul? What gain is it to receive some Tylenol for a moment of relief but receive nothing for the salve of the soul? Is Jesus being sought based upon the premise of what he can offer you in this moment? Otherwise, he is of no use to you? Or do you come as you are with your shame, your guilt, and sin to be cleansed, washed in regeneration, and have the Holy Spirit poured over you to declare you katharisetai, be cleansed for all of eternity. Which one is it? I want to offer up to you in closing a prayer from the Puritans from the Valley of Vision. Listen. Thou blessed Spirit, author of all grace and comfort, come, work repentance in my soul. Represent sin to me and in its odious colors that I might hate it. Melt my heart by the majesty and mercy of God. Show me my, ru ru my ruined self and the help there is in him. Teach me to behold my creator, his ability to save, his arms outstretched, his heart big for me. May I confide in his power and love. Commit my soul to him without reserve. Without reserve. Bear his image, observe his laws, pursue his service and be through time and eternity a monument to the efficacy of his grace, a trophy of his victory. Make me willing to be saved in this way, perceiving nothing in myself but all in Jesus. Have me not only to receive him, but to walk in him, depend on him, commune with him, be conformed to him, follow him, imperfect, but still pressing forward. Not complaining of labor, labor, but valuing rest. Not murmuring under trials, but thankful for my state. Give me that faith which is the means of salvation and the principle and the medium of all godliness. May I be saved by grace through faith, live by faith, feel the joy of faith, do the work of faith, perceiving nothing in myself. May I find Christ's wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, redemption. So in closing, this is all asked prayer. This is your only encouragement. Come as you are. Lay down your burden. Lay down your shame. All who are broken, lift up your face. Oh wanderer, come home. You're not too far. So lay down your hurt. Lay down your heart. Come as you are. Heavenly Father, oh, the magnitude and infinite value of your grace and mercy extended to us in Christ Jesus. That even in the days of that Leviticus was written, that the idea and the beauty and the glory and the theology of redemption was written in a ritual regarding cleanliness. That you were the one who came. You were the son of heaven who came and died that we may be cleansed by your blood and water. That through our dipping in your blood we are set free, cleansed. 
that we receive your lamb's blood upon our ear and our thumb and our toe. From head to toe, we are cleansed in you. Not only cleansed, but sealed by the Holy Spirit. We are unworthy, undeserving sinners, all of us lepers, walking around carrying our shame, walking around declaring ourselves unclean, unclean, all of our actions that we do in this world, unclean, every time I try to do something good, unclean. But in Christ, it's all set I can be cleansed. I can be washed. I can be renewed, restored to bring revival to my soul. Lord, may we see your word but a simple story about a leper that speaks to Jesus' necessity of the gospel. That before the cross was even happened, that we got to see exactly what the cross would look like. Out of a simple story, the beginning of human history. Oh, the resolve that you have to put a cross. Oh, the resolve you have to save the sick, to call the sick and sinner to repentance. So Lord, may we come as we are breaking through any boundaries that we need necessary, the lepers that we are, no matter if we're kicked out or not, may we go where Jesus is. We come as we are, full of faith and hope. If you will, if you will, would you respond? I'm willing. Walk, you understand. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.